Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. And so... Ah, oh, Dominique. So we just greeted our each other by saying, what a year. And and I want to say that we are recording this. Who knows when, when it will get edited and put out. But we're recording this on January 13th. And right now the debate in the House is up on the articles of impeachment are going on. And last week we had that just horrific scene at the Capitol. And I, I don't, I don't want people to suddenly be turning off the podcast going, no, I can't stand it. You know, no politics here. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to, I, I listen to podcasts to get away from the news. And, and, and I absolutely understand that, but I was really shaken by what happened last week. And I don't want to just pretend that these events are not going on because I think I think that we need to be paying attention and so what I wanted to talk about today and it's a training subject so everybody who's going I don't want to hear it I don't want to hear it just you know you want to talk about punishment (laughs) no I want to talk about what do you do with unwanted behavior it seems like it's the most appropriate topic that we could pick at a time like this, because it doesn't matter which side of the political divide you're on. The other side is presenting behavior you don't want, right? Yeah. And I can tell you that I feel some upcoming reflex, I call them reflexes, which is not scientific word at all here in this context, but like a predisposition. It's like my old punishment bias is coming back. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So as clicker trainers, what we've been looking at and learning about and, and, and trying to figure out is what do you do when you're presented with behavior that you don't want? So let's begin at the very beginning of this, which is to say that as a clicker trainer, as a constructional trainer, as somebody who wants to emphasize positive reinforcement solutions, with their animal companions, animal learners, with people, you know, with the, the other beings that I interact with. One of the things that I learned right from the very get-go is I want to focus on what I want my learner to do, right? So when you're, you're faced with unwanted behavior, one of the first things you want to do is instead of reacting and pushing against you know, I don't want my horse crowding into me and stepping on my toes and biting at my pockets. I don't want all of that. Well, if, if I try and punish that behavior, I may suppress it for the moment, but I don't show my learner, I don't show my horse what he can do, what to do in order to meet his needs, in order to earn reinforcement or in order to avoid unwanted consequences. So I need to focus on what is it that I want? And I need to get really clear about what is it 
that I want. And the other piece that we want to really focus on that we, you know, it's, as somebody who's new to clicker training, one of the things that you hear is you want to be non-reactive to behavior that you don't want. Now, non-reactive and ignore are not equivalent. Yeah, and I think that's where uh, functional analysis is very important because you may ignore or be non-reactive to a behavior, but you have to be aware of the reinforcement that is maintaining the unwanted behavior. And eventually you may want to use this, re this same reinforcement to construct your, in the beginning anyway, you use the same reinforcement, but- You know, more, more key than that. So before we, before we jump there, and I, and I don't mean to interrupt because we'll come back to that. So say, you know, hold on to that thought. But when I say that remain non-reactive to and ignore are not equivalent, mm -hmm. I think we need to really delve into what that okay. implies. So when I say, oh, I'm just going to ignore that, it implies that I'm, I'm going to try and, and not pay attention mm -hmm. to it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Right. You know, I'm just, I don't like the neighbor's dog barking all the time. I'm just going to ignore it as best mm -hmm. I can. But that doesn't, it, that implies that I'm going to learn to tolerate it. That's right. I'm going to accept mm -hmm. it in some manner. And there's a lovely expression that I uh, use a lot in the clinics. If you have a little bit of uh, resistance or unwanted behavior, however you want to describe it, and, and it's just a little bit, and you don't notice it, you're not really aware of it, don't worry about it. And the reason you don't have to worry about it is because as you ignore it, basically, it will get bigger. And eventually it will get big enough that it will become more noticeable. And if you still decide to just ignore it or you don't notice it, it doesn't really register yet on your radar, well, don't worry about it because it will get bigger yet. And eventually- It got bigger last become... week. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, that's a great example of, you know, we, we tried, we ignored it. We said nothing. We, you know, you turn the, the other cheek, all of those expressions that come into play in terms of some of the response to all of this. And it got so big that all of a sudden it blew up in our face. Thankfully, it didn't blow up, though. Could have. Well, um, it could have. <laughs> you know, but it's like the the horse who you're you're not hearing what the horse is saying. You're not noticing that little bit of resistance when you ask him to back up or to turn or something where there's, you know, from the horse, what the horse is experiencing is discomfort because he has a little arthritis. And so he just kind of uh, nips at your sleeve a little bit and you ignore it. You don't notice it. And then uh, you ask, you keep asking and he gives you a little more of a nip and you just, you know, oh, stop that. And you keep asking for the backing. And all of a sudden the horse says, you know, I can't take it anymore. And he grabs hold of your jacket and you're going, he's never done that before. That just out of the blue, he bit me. Well, it didn't come out of the blue. That's right. It didn't come out of the blue. So when we say, I want to be non-reactive, 
it means in the moment when my horse is maybe nipping at my sleeve a little bit, I don't want to reach over and smack him. I don't want to be adding fuel to the emotional fire, but I want to make note of the behavior and, and I want to come up with a plan for doing something about it. So that's when I say there's a difference between ignoring, which to me implies lack of action and you're just going to accept yeah. it. And get frustrated probably. <laughs> and get fr- because as, you know, if that behavior, if something else is reinforcing that behavior and that behavior continues to grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger, eventually it will become really frustrating and possibly even scary. Yeah. So what we want to do with unwanted behavior is we want to notice it sooner. We, we just published the last episode, uh, last installment of the conversation with Ellen Lawler, which is just a wonderful conversation on balance. And the last episode was on loopy listening, which I think is a lovely expansion of loopy training. And you know, she's saying, you want to pay attention to those little moments when your dog looks away or when you know, you've been training and everything is going smoothly and all of a sudden your dog notices the crumb that's on the carpet. Well, that crumb was on the carpet for the last five minutes. What's going on? And he suddenly needs to go sniff the carpet. You know, that's, that's an indication that there's been some disruption in the flow, that something has changed that you need to become aware of. Because if you ignore it, if you think it's, oh, you know, he just, yeah, I dropped a crumb, no big deal. It may get bigger and bigger because the root cause of why that dog looked away is not being addressed. So you, when when you're addressing this, I I want to go back to I, I need to read again, Murray Sidman's book, yes. the um, coercion and its fallout, because I remember in the last chapters he talks about positive reinforcement at home, in schools, in institutions, in international diplomacy, and. I mean, I don't, I have to go back and read it. It just makes yes, me, I would it just motivates yes. me to go back because, you know, for sure, when, when you're talking about this and I'm thinking, okay, there's a difference for me between my horse maybe stepping into my space and someone saying, let's go hang my, my pants. And maybe there isn't. <laughs> maybe well, it's all the I same think- process. It's just that. Certainly, I prefer the first one. I think it's, it's where do we learn the skills for dealing with unwanted behavior? You know, when you have a horse that is just, you know, over the top in terms of acting out in a defensive slash aggressive way, where you begin to walk towards him and you get the pinned ears, the, the head snaking out, you get just a, a whole you know, list of behaviors that, are, that this horse is using to keep you away. It's, it's overwhelming. It's too much. You can't, and, and particularly if you're 
just beginning to get your sea legs in using positive reinforcement. It's too much. Mm -hmm. So where do you learn the skills? Well, you learn the skills by simplifying things. By, by Maybe you start with a different horse. If you've got three horses in your barn and one is super challenging, maybe you start with one of the easier horses. Or if you don't have that luxury, you, you change the environment. So you start with protective contact. You make things simpler. You remove some of the some of the reasons why that horse needs to feel so threatened by you. You know, the protective contact doesn't just protect us from the horse, it protects the horse from us. And so some of that behavior may just begin to oh, settle down a little bit so that we can begin to ask for something simple, something manageable. We can find that starting point in a loop where we can begin a conversation. How do we begin a conversation? You know, it, it's really interesting because there, there are people that I associate with on a regular basis whose political beliefs are very different from mine. And yet we can remain friends and we can have conversations. And I will some, and I'll sometimes start the conversation by saying, you know, I'm curious. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about what happened at the Capitol last week? I'm curious. Because I know that you listen to different news outlets from the news outlets that I listen to. So I, I'd like to know what you've been hearing. And I'm curious. And and we have conversations and they're they're really they're really useful to me they're really valuable to me because it helps me to take a deep breath and and not not get so entrenched that i don't understand that i forget that great that great phrase from skinner the rat is always right you know, behavior makes sense. Yeah, there's there's another, um, uh, you know, in that book, Crucial Conversations. Remember that? It's a great yes. book. Yep. There's, um, there's a, a chapter where they suggest we should always ask when someone is doing something that we think is crazy, why would a normal person think and do that? Something like that. Do you remember that? In a while, I would I would need to go back. And, yes, but yes, yeah. I think that's... I think it's a good question to ask. You know, when you have someone in front of you and they're acting what you think is crazy, when you start asking yourself, why would a person, normal person, do this and think that, it opens up something. It does. Mm -hmm. Or with animals, when you have an animal that is engaged in self-injurious behavior and you think... Well, that's just crazy. Mm, yeah. Why would it, why would it, uh, but you know, that behavior in some way makes sense to that individual. Yeah. Well, Mary suggested in a recent podcast we did with her that we ask ourselves, whether it's person or, or animals, what is the reinforcer here? Yes. Yes. And what is, what is it that the individual needs? Yes. What is it that they're looking for? So when I have unwanted behavior, it, it goes back to 
what you started to talk about at the very beginning, which is, you know, what's the function yeah. of this behavior? So I was thinking, you know, an example this morning as I was thinking about, because it, it just occurred to me this morning that, you know, that there really was something that I wanted to talk about, you know, because we always get together and say, so what should we talk about today? It's like, well, I've got a subject now. And it's, I want to talk about unwanted behavior. So one example I could think of was, say you have a, a child who is asking for a cookie and he's, he's being somewhat whiny and he's asking for a cookie. And so you think, well, he's hungry. It's the middle of the afternoon. You give him a cookie. And a couple minutes later, he's back asking for another cookie because he wasn't really hungry. He wanted attention. And you could give him the entire cookie jar and not really satisfy his need for attention. Mm -hmm. You could set up an eating disorder pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you'd, if you, but if you look at why is this child asking for a cookie? Oh, he wants attention. Well, let me give him attention. He doesn't need the cookie. Yeah. I think in animals, a lot of time, not always, but very many times when there are unwanted behavior, aggressive behavior, things that scare us, very often what the animal wants is distance. Yes. And there's a lot of incredible information out there right now. I mean, there's a lot of free stuff really quality free stuff on the internet in terms of training. And I was just listening to um, Jesus. He was one of the guests at the ranch, click, um, clicker training ranch um, broadcast yes. that Ken Ramirez yep. uh, does every week, I think. Yeah, the live from, live the, from ranch. the ranch. It was, so Jesus was one of the guests and he revisited what uh, they call the CAT procedure, which was yep. a procedure that uh, he developed with, uh, well, one of his students did. Yep. Uh, Constructional uh, aggression treatment. For aggressive dogs, you know, and they've revisited yep. it and refined it. And so he was saying, it was a great broadcast, actually. I, I, and there are a couple of things in there that I'd like to talk about. We'll, we'll finish this first because um, it's such a great topic that you're bringing up, but he was saying, you know, in the beginning, the, obviously the, the, the animal wants distance. So that's why there's the aggression. When, when the dog is aggressive, the other dog goes away. And so it's worked and it's so the, the, the behaviors maintained. And he says in the beginning, what, so, the, so what they do is they use distance as a consequence to shape friendly behavior. So in yes. the beginning, it's the bad behavior that is maintained by the distancing, but then it's good behavior that is maintained by distancing when you follow their protocol. And eventually they switch over so that ultimately they want to maintain good behavior with positive reinforcement. And the, the key, the refinement that Jesus has added and really recognized is that what they're really doing is broadening out the animal's repertoire. So the animal has so many more options in terms of what to do under these conditions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, when, when you start thinking about what do I do with unwanted behavior? Well, if I simply smack my dog, my horse, my child <laughs> for to be this behavior that I don't want, and I try and suppress the behavior. Well, Again, I have not 
taught my that individual what to do in order to meet that individual's needs. Mm -hmm. But if I can broaden out the repertoire, now it's it's that gets back to degrees of freedom again. You know, if you've got three or four or five different ways of satisfying a particular need, that's a much better situation for that individual than if they just have one or two. Yeah. If you're a horse and oh, you're being asked to back and backing is not comfortable. You have other ways of, of indicating to your handler that mm, this is not the best thing for me right now. Well, the only thing, way, option that you have is to bite at the handler. That's a bad deal. Yeah. yeah. I guess in the, in the, the example, the extreme example, the capital example that you were bringing up, um, we're scared. So that it's hard when you're scared to um, have the distance, right. the... How do you say le recul de, in English? You, 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 you're so, when you're overwhelmed, you know, you keep saying to us, go yeah. have a cup of tea. So you can have a little yes. bit of um, distance. Yes. I can't find the word that I'm looking for. So when you, you get that sort of tunnel vision, that when you're scared, your brain sort of, what you could think about kind of narrows down. You're not relaxed enough to be able to see all the options that might be available to you. It's sort of like when I'm feeling stressed because I, I need to get out of the house to get somewhere on time. And that's when I can't see my car keys, <laughs> even though they're right there on the counter. <laughs> right. So that going to, you know, when you're feeling that kind of stress, one of the skills that we learn is to step back, step away, Go have a cup of tea and think about what needs to be changed. Do I need to change the environment in which I'm working? Do I need to move to protective contact? What are the environmental triggers that maybe I'm working in the indoor arena and in this space, which was the training environment for my horse when he was being worked under a different system of training, that that triggers a set of responses in that horse that I would like to move away from. That's when Jesus starts talking about, don't fight, you know, don't fight extinction. So rather than trying to train in that environment, let me move to a different environment. Yeah, or do I need to change reinforcer? You know, if I'm giving food and the horse wants distance? Yes. If he wants me to go away or he wants to, or he wants to get away from you know maybe i'm saying oh if you'll just touch this thing that you're afraid of i'll give you a carrot yeah so now i've put my my horse into conflict yeah. i really do want that carrot but i'm really afraid of that thing you want me to touch so i need to really become better at noticing the emotional behavior that's in my horse. So a lot of times people will get very focused on the goal behavior. You know, they start out clicker training and they, they get really excited because their horse is touching a target, for example. The horse touches the target, gets clicked and reinforced. And, and so the goal behavior 
I'm touching the target, that's being satisfied. But they're not necessarily noticing that their horse is feeling increasingly anxious because they're in a stall next to another horse and they're feeling a lot of pressure from that horse. And so we're not acknowledging the emotional behavior that is occurring at the same time as this other behavior. We miss things. And because we're missing those things, they are things that we need to be noticing, need to be addressing, need to be doing something about, and not just getting so goal-oriented on that one piece of behavior that we aren't able to see the whole picture. So you were talking about building repertoire. You know, that that's one of the solutions when you have unwanted behavior. There was something else in that broadcast with Jesus, which I thought was so interesting. It was, he talked about behavior cusps. And it's something that I've seen in his biography. And I've heard a few times, but I didn't know what it was. And I thought it was so interesting because, so he explained that there are some behaviors that open up your next environment for development. It's like breakthrough behaviors that open the door to new learning. Like targeting is a cusp behavior because once your horse knows how to target, I mean, you can do so many things with it and learning becomes so much easier. So it's like a, a new set of environment that becomes available that was not available before. And so yes. you have them in, in children as well. Like, let's say you teach a child to open the door. Well, all of a sudden, you know, there's a whole new set of environment that is available for this child to develop himself. Yes, that he can access. Yeah. That's right. So I thought that was really cool. You know, I I, I didn't know what they were. And- I was surprised that Jesus hadn't made us aware of, there's a term for this, because we have behavioral cusps all over the place. They're, you know, targeting is one, going to math. Well, the biggest one for me was actually learning clicker training. Well, yes. That's a major behavioral cusp. Yes, yes. Yes. So it's a it's a nice term to be aware of. Yeah, because it all behaviors are not equal. You know, some behaviors will are crucial, whereas other behaviors are nice, but and, and you want to teach them, but some of those behaviors, I mean, they really make a difference in your learner's life. Yes. They have a, a much bigger ripple effect. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I find probably a lot of the foundation behaviors. Maybe, I don't know, I didn't analyze it, but they're probably in that category. You know, I would, I would say yeah. so. You know, I was yeah. um, even, I was thinking about uh, grownups are talking. Yes. I've had to, uh, Pico has a lot of arthritis and two times a year he gets um, glucosamine by injection. So it's, it's, a, it's a treatment of 10 injections, the one every week for seven weeks and then three for every second week. And he gets that twice a year. And before I used to delegate that to, because I had, you know, at Cavalia, I had lots of employees and I never really wanted to do those myself because I still don't like doing it. But right. this time, this treatment, I thought, oh, 
I, I had no one really to do it. And I thought I should learn to do this. And so I asked my vet to show me how to uh, give a proper muscular injection. And I gave him his treatment and the key, and, and I'm doing it free, you know, he has no halter or nothing. And the key for me is grownups are talking. Because he knows grownups so because I didn't want him to move and turn his neck towards me while I was injecting to get carrots or anything like that. You know, sometimes they do right. that, they'll turn to you and say, okay, can I have something? So I wanted him to not move at all. And he, he knows this behavior so well, because there's such a big history, positive reinforcement history behind it. And so when, when I'm ready to inject, I mean, he's like so concentrated and I do a lot of fake injections, you know, like Ken showed us to do. And, but every time, whether it's a fake injection or a real injection, he goes into that grown up or talking and he just <laughs> stays there and he's got really good duration because that when I do the injection, I have to inject 10 milliliters. And so it takes a while. And, you know, I was just thinking, I never thought when I learned this behavior that it would help me give PICO injections yeah. with no halter and that it would go so well. But, yep. you know, once all these foundation behaviors, there's no end to what you're going to use them for. Absolutely. They are with you throughout the, the horse's mm -hmm. life. And they are, especially grownups. <laughs> grownups is like, yeah. You know, so you have this expression, one of the keys to the kingdom. Definitely yes. grownups is one of those. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, the more you, the more you explore it, the more you see what it does for yeah. you. And, and it's a very hard behavior to teach well, because it's, you know, to teach stillness is, it's, it's much easier to teach an active Oh, you know, touch the target, pick up your foot, you know, whatever it is. But to to think of now, stay still, stay calm, stay quiet. I'm not looking for you to change this behavior. I would just like you to continue to stay in this nice, stable position. And then I'm going to ask you to move out of that position. So I might ask you to drop your head or to back up or something. And so the that moving out of stillness. It's so easy for the horse to start to think, oh, well, you really didn't want me to stay still. You wanted me to drop my head or to back up or, you know, lift up my foot or do some of these other things. And, and that's what earns the reinforcement. So to build a Grand Prix level, grownups are talking, takes time. And it takes a... Oh boy, is it worth it. Oh, is it yeah. worth it. It's so absolutely worth it. You know, it. remember when when uh, I, I was doing my first my first years in clicker training, and you were coming to Cavalia, and you know you were looking yep. at me play with my horses. And one day, I and I was running with uh, Woody because I've always, you know, I, I was yep. pretty comfortable at the time with Woody, but not, you know, this was years and years ago. And I asked you once because I was running with him. I asked you am I putting myself in danger? And you said, yes. And I stopped running for a long time, for a long time after that, all the exercises I did, I did at uh, the walk okay. for, for a long time after that. 
And now I've started running again, maybe a year or two ago with him. But what I have now in my toolbox is a really good grown-ups are talking to balance things out. When I feel yes. the excitement is getting too high, I can use that and just everything becomes much more balanced. And I don't feel at all that I am, because I know how to, I know where the off switch is. Yes. I know exactly. And I can get it in a second and they're happy with it. They're not frustrated. Yes. They're really happy to do it. <laughs> I think having that off switch is so important. So that's, you know, that's another thing, you know, when you say, what do I do with unwanted behavior? Well, you know, you're running with him and everything is great until you no longer want it. Can you turn behavior off? Yeah. And and you modulate your whole session with it because yes. it's not like, it doesn't keep increasing in intensity. Right. You can, you like, sometimes it's kind of beautiful to look at a horse that is very enthusiastic and running with you and doing, you know, the, the various tasks with enthusiasm, but you don't want it to get out of hand. And for me, the way to not let it get out of hand at my level at this point in my life is to use uh, grown-ups are talking. Yeah. Well, it's like Zacho with his hugs. Now, he loved giving hugs, but if I hadn't balanced hugs with grown-ups, you would not have, you would have been so unhappy with yeah. me for having, <laughs> for, for teaching him that because he would have been flinging that beautiful head of his into everybody who came anywhere near him in the hope that, that somebody would click him, give him a treat. And people would have, because that would have been, they would have done what's called defensive clicking. Mm. You know, let me, let me click you to get you to, to keep you from hugging, from flinging your head. Or you would have stopped and then he would have gone into extinction. And eventually yes. that head would have swung pretty hard during the burst, the extinction burst. Yep. And it would have been very sad yeah. for him to not be able to participate in a behavior that clearly you know, who knows why, but clearly he really enjoyed. So to have a way of balancing it, to have, and it was such a clear off switch, but it wasn't a punitive no. off switch. There was nothing punitive about, oh, that's enough of that. That's enough of that, young oh, man. We don't want any more of those hugs. Stop that at once. It was, oh, that was great. Now let's go into grown-ups. There's another way to earn reinforcement. Yeah. And it has such depth of reinforcement history behind yeah. it, that it reinforces everything that it's connected to, which is the real power of it. So what do I do with an unwanted behavior? Well, before it can become an unwanted behavior, I'm redirecting it into something else. So I'm, I'm, it's that lovely expression of, you never want to say no to energy, you need it to train. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to squash or suppress energy. When you start trying to suppress something, that's when it comes back at you in an explosive way. So I don't want to suppress behavior. I want to redirect it. I want to, to redirect it into something that for me is, is more manageable, something that I'm more comfortable being around, or that at the moment is a direction that I want to head in with my horse. 
know, so when we look at some of the behavior that is screaming at us in with, with uh, the great political divide, I need to start understanding what is it that people whose opinions are different from mine, what is it that they want? Not what is it that they're saying, but truly, what is it that they want? And then I need to not suppress, because as soon as you, especially when you have, oh, if I have a horse who's got an enormous amount of energy and I start to say, stand still, don't move or else. If I try and suppress that energy, if I try and make that horse stand still, I'm just going to coil that spring tighter and tighter and tighter until finally the horse explodes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think, I don't know what all the answers are, but I think it's useful to think of training as a metaphor. I think it's useful to think of training as a place where we can learn skills. I think it's useful to think of training as a place where we can take a breather from what's going on in the great outer world. And and when I'm with the horses, it's like a meditation. Mm. And I'm so grateful for that. You know, I'm so grateful that I can step away from what is, you know, the news is screaming about and go clean a stall. Thank goodness for that. Maybe maybe that's how we need to solve this problem. We just need to have everybody clean stall, cleaning more, cleaning up after more horses. <laughs> Who knows? But I do think that there is a lot to be learned, and when we start to think about, you know, what is it that we've been learning about training? What is it that I want to do when I encounter unwanted behavior? I'm going to drink a lot of cups of tea. I'm going to be really thinking about managing the environment differently. You know, I'm going to be looking for, you know, what are the component parts that are missing? That's, uh, and because those component skills aren't there, that I'm encountering this resistance. You know, what is it that, how do I break this training down into smaller units so that I can find a place where I can begin to have a conversation? Have I set up the environment for success? If that means that I go to protective contact, I go to protective contact. Have I made the lesson small enough, simple enough that my learner can can be successful? And then, you know, what is it that have I recognized what my learner really wants. If I'm trying to feed cookies and what my horse wants is to be as far away from the goblin that's at the far end of the arena as he can get, I may find that I'm not really making much progress. So have I, have I looked at what are the needs of my learner and how do I address that? And how do I build out the repertoire? Those are things that just sort of pop into mind just sort of off the top of my head. And I'm sure if I really paused and thought about this longer, I would have many, 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 many more things. I mean, we've had, I don't know how many podcasts and really they've all been about what do I do about 
behavior that I don't want? And how do I get behavior that I do want? Yeah. And and we know that this works because we've seen animal transform. And that's probably, um, for me anyway, it's been because we've, we've had an education where punishment is very present. You know, I'm not generally as a society, I mean, and it's very often where people go to when they see unwanted behavior, because that's what we learn. And that's what's going on. You know, right now here in Quebec, they've decided to put a curfew because, uh, and they, they are giving out very fine that are between $1,500 and $6,000 when wow. you break the curfew. So it's quite repressive. Um, and, you know, I guess there are always good reasons to do what people do, but um, certainly for me, what's been to see animal transform with this way of teaching and this way of dealing with unwanted behavior has been very eye-opening. Yes. Because I don't think until you see it, you know, sometimes you think, oh, this animal, it's just useless you know it's just the predisposition that it's in the animal it's in the animal and what can you do but when you when you actually see transformation it's um it's it's yes it gives hope too um and it's like a miracle you know you don't think you, you you didn't think this animal could change could be different you change the environment you change the way you do things and they transform Yes. And so I think, you know, if we were going to get political for a moment, I think that those of us who are looking at positive reinforcement, that we have, that we're essential workers. You know, last, a year ago when they said, oh, you know, there are essential workers. And I thought, oh, I, you know, what I do is, it's not, it's not essential. It's, you know, People don't have to, they don't have to have horses. They don't have to take lessons and learn about clicker training. And yet, as we see the world in so many ways unraveling, I start to say, oh, no, no, no. Those of us who are exploring positive reinforcement and learning these skills, we're very essential. The planet needs us right now. And that you know, we, we need to be really honing our skills, building our skills, looking at them as metaphors and seeing how, how can we begin to share <clears throat> what we've been learning uh, with others. And you share it by modeling it. Mm. You know, you don't share it by shoving it down somebody's throat. You share it by uh, modeling the behavior. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, true. Yeah. So it's not about, um, you know, getting up on the parapet and dropping hot oil down or, or shouting at the other, you know, person or whatever it is. It's by modeling what it is that you, that you uh, want. So who knows what, who knows, who knows what the world will be like when we finally get this edited and, and put this podcast out. Hopefully, we will have all taken a deep breath and things will be settling down. I do hope so. And my apologies to 
everybody who who was thinking, I don't want to think about politics right now. It's like I I I hear you. So so it's hard. It's hard not to. Uh, it's hard mm-hmm. not to. So instead, you know, we we in a roundabout sort of way we did. And we acknowledge that there are things going on in the world, which I think is important. But we also looked at training. And so uh, I think there is a lot, you know, there's a lot there that, you know, the, that we can, metaphors work in two directions. You know, what is the metaphor of what we're seeing in terms of politics that we can bring to our horses? You know, what is it that we need to be learning that, you know, like if I just ignore this stuff I don't like, oh, darn, it got bigger, just like we see in the real world. So, you know, this is why you break your training down, you go to protective contact, you, you know, you you go to simpler lessons that you don't, you know, I, I remember when I was first um, started to, to teach and people would, they would have a problem with their horse. Maybe their horse was spooking and bolting off out on the trail. And so they had heard through the grapevine that I was a good problem solver. And so they, and I was willing to go to, uh, to them that they didn't have to put the horse on a trailer and, and get the horse to a training barn. So I would turn up and they would be telling me how spooky their horse was out on the trail and how scary it was and they'd already fallen off and had you know some horrible accident and and so their expectation was that they were going to saddle the horse up and we were going to march out to the trail and and see this horse spinning and bolting and and wide-eyed with fear dumping its rider and racing back to the barn and I would see the horse sort of flinching at some change in the environment in the barn. And, and I would see behavior in the barn that was small, but was basically the same. It was cut from the same cloth as the big behavior that the handler was feeling so frustrated mm. by. And so I would say, well, before we, before we saddle up, let's, let's, let's work on this, you know, let's see what's going on here, this little thing. And we'd work on that little thing. And then we'd work on some other little thing. And I would hear the report back of, my horse is so different. (laughs) You know, I went out for a ride and it was all wonder, you know, whatever it was, the big problem suddenly became small enough that they could manage it on their own. It wasn't in their face because they weren't trying to tackle it directly. They weren't taking, thinking they had to address it head on. And when you take care of all these little things, often the big thing either melts away completely or becomes much more manageable. Mm. Now, I don't know how we apply that. You know, Susan Friedman has a great, she says, you know, there are broad brush thinkers and there are fine brush Mm. thinker. And Susan would say, you know, I'm a fine brush thinker. So she would not be the, she would not want to be called on to, to deal on a large 
political stage with the, you know, what is going on with people. Especially uh, the current be, people. <laughs> yes, that would not be where she would feel that in her comfort zone or where her expertise was being put to the best use. So, you know, I don't have broad brush answers either, but I think with a small brush, we can get a lot done. A lot done. Yeah. Well, well, we'll have to go in that book, you know, Murray Sidman's and look at the end of those last chapters because he he yes. takes this, the fine brush and he he expands it to the larger institutions and nations and it'll be, I'm going to read that yes. this week. We'll report yes. back next week. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. In the meantime, we can all be painting with fine brushes and hopefully having a power of influence that ripples out into whatever community that we are connected to. It's very feasible. Yes, yes it is. So on that note, we'll say uh, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully you stayed to the end and didn't, didn't run away when the first glimmer of politics came, uh, you know, was came across, but, uh, you know, stay, stay well, and we will see you next time. Bye. Normally, I use this time to tell you about upcoming events, but somehow for this podcast, that doesn't really seem appropriate. Instead, I just want to thank you again for listening. Let's be the change we want to see in the world. For me, that change includes being kind, caring for others, caring for the planet, making a difference. When we work with our horses, we learn the skills we need to be that change. We're saying no thank you to the tradition of fearful, punishment-based solutions, and we're finding other ways of dealing with unwanted behavior. We're finding fun ways to teach, to learn, and to share. Those are good things to carry forward into 2021. And my goodness, we need some good things for this year. Our skills are very much needed. So thank you again for listening and stay well. Mm -hmm.